，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。U.S. Senator John Hoven arrived in Taiwan on Thursday for a three-day visit. It's his first time on the island, and he spent his first day in a meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen. We look forward to having an in-depth exchange of views with Senator Hoven about Taiwan-U.S. cooperation on defense and economic security, and the joint safeguarding of regional peace, stability, and prosperity. We're very concerned about the uh, aggressive action that we've seen from the PRC in China. I'm a member of the uh, Senate Appropriations Committee. Uh, and specifically the defense appropriations. I'm here to listen to you and to your ministers to, to find out what else can we do to work together to again strengthen uh, your defense. The senator vowed to do his best to expedite arms deliveries to Taiwan. His visit comes shortly after a large-scale military exercise by the PLA in which ships and warplanes simulated the encirclement of Taiwan. Although the drills are over, China has continued to send warplanes near the island. It also plans to enforce a no-fly zone 85 nautical miles north of Taiwan on Sunday. Experts say China is deploying a so-called gray zone tactics and showcasing its ability to blockade Taiwan. China has launched a sweeping investigation into Taiwan's trade barriers on Chinese products. It will look into Taiwan's import rules on more than 2,400 Chinese goods spanning from fruits and flowers to textiles and petrochemicals. An expert warns that once the results are out, retaliatory measures may follow. The probe could potentially last until just before Taiwan's presidential election. Because of that, there are concerns that China might use the investigation for political leverage. China has launched a new trade tactic against Taiwan. Its Ministry of Commerce announced a trade barrier investigation into Taiwan's import restrictions against 2,455 Chinese products spanning fruits and flowers, other agricultural goods, mineral chemical products, and textiles. China said the probe could last until January 12, 2024, which is one day before Taiwan's presidential election. After the results of the investigation are released, there will be some retaliatory measures that mainly affect petrochemicals, textiles, and food. If these measures are extended to cover all the products under ECFA, all the petrochemicals, transport, textile, and agricultural products, we could see an impact on 10% of our exports to China. The impact will probably be felt the most by clothing manufacturers, as they might outsource their production to China or outsource it to Vietnamese clothing factories. According to the scholar, China could use its retaliatory measures to force Taiwan to negotiate its import restrictions. Due to its trade war with the U.S., the Chinese economy has taken a hit, and Beijing is seeking new markets for its products. The scholar says. Taiwan's economics ministry said it had not been notified of the investigation and had only learned of it through the news. The ministry emphasized that economic and trade exchanges should be handled in line with the relevant regulations.
These regulations have existed since 1993, when we and China both joined the WTO. It's true that no consultations were conducted over trade in these goods. Regarding trade barriers, whether China or the WTO is the party that initiates the trade barrier investigation, it should notify the government of the investigated party. According to Economics Minister Wang Meihua, Taiwan's import restrictions on Chinese goods are based on measures established in 1993. She said Taiwan lifts restrictions on imports when they pose no danger to national security or to domestic industries. Over the years, Taiwan has eased restrictions on 9,835 Chinese agricultural and industrial products. When China and Taiwan joined the World Trade Organization in 2001 and 2002, respectively, they did not negotiate terms. For traded products, the minister said that China's decision to investigate those terms was sudden, but that Taiwan was willing to negotiate. Kilong Bus has joined the growing list of buffed companies that are raising their their fares. Starting April 15, it will raise rates on four routes by one NT to ten NT. An alliance of bus operators is proposing further fare adjustments, arguing that current price caps force them to lose money with every trip. Following price hikes by other bus companies, Jilong Bus will also raise rates starting April 15th. Traveling to that area is already expensive. It already costs more than 100 NT, and the price is going up again. They should think about the people. There's no need for such a big increase. 10 NT is too much. One company says its fares have stayed the same for 17 years, but that the costs of vehicle and station maintenance have only gone up. City buses can charge fares for two or three sections. Each section is 23 NT, so three sections would be 69 NT. But for highway buses, the fare is just 26 NT. The price of short-distance routes has reached its cap, so we can't make any further adjustments. Now we are losing money with every trip. The Federation of Highway and Intercity Bus Companies has submitted an 18-point proposal for adjusting fare limits. The proposal has cleared an initial review and will now be sent to the Transport Ministry for approval. There is an upper limit on highway bus fares. Currently, all fare increases are within the approved range. It's basically as if they had been offering discount fares all this time. If they want to remove that discount so that the fare reflects their costs, we respect their decision. So far, bus companies that have announced price hikes are Taipei Bus, Taoyuan Bus, Sanchong Bus, Yu Bus, Hersheng Bus Traffic, and Jilong Bus. New data is out on Taiwan's annual bonuses. According to the statistics agency, the average year-end bonus rose to a five-year high in 2023, hitting 1.68 months' wages. The biggest payouts were seen in the financial and insurance sector, where the average was 3.39 months. Second place was the, was the real estate industry with 2.12 months. Transportation and warehousing came in third at 1.96 months. Average salaries also increased in the first two months of the year. The average regular wage was 45,206 NT, which marks a year-on-year -year increase of 2.39 percent. But the rise was wiped out by an inflation rate of 2.74 percent. As a result, Taiwan's real wages actually fell by 0.34 percent, the most in nearly a decade. 
The cost of analog photography is rising. Due to global supply and demand issues, photographers who use old-style negatives can now pay up to 500 NT for a single roll of film. The price has been rising continuously for years, but in the last 12 months made an extra leap. Some films are now twice the price they were a year ago. Experts say that's due to a shortage of raw materials exacerbated by global forces like inflation, COVID-19 and the Ukraine war. We spoke to camera buffs and photography store owners to find out more. A customer is getting a camera film developed at a store. She wants to buy a new film, but got a nasty surprise when she saw the prices. One film has a big 500NT sticker on it. It's very expensive because when I went to Japan, I wanted to buy some Fujifilm negatives and they happened to be totally out of the raw materials so you can buy them anywhere. Taking the popular Fuji ISO 400 film as an example, one film cost about 250 NT in March 2022. But by early 2023, the price had doubled to 500 NT. Kodak film prices have also jumped in the same period, rising by 100 to 150 NT. The manufacturers have stopped producing lots of films. And also, because of the pandemic, demand has outstripped supply, so the end price has gone up. You could buy one Fuji film for less than 100 NT seven or eight years ago. They were 85 to 90 NT, but now you can't find a color negative under 100 NT. People who've been in analog photography this whole time know the price has been continuously rising, and they've just had to grin and bear it. Taking photos on a phone or digital camera is extremely easy now, but some remain loyal to analog photography. Due to numerous factors like the Ukraine war, the pandemic, the global inflation crisis and disruptions to supply chains, as well as the growing popularity of film cameras, supply can't keep up with demand. Buying films and getting them developed is now a pricey enterprise. There's a shortage of materials and film processing chemicals, and the price of negatives has gone up too. It looks like the price won't fall again in the short term. I'm a professional photographer, so I can't worry about how much each photo costs. I just have to take the photos I need to take. Photos taken on film certainly have a charm that's not the same as digital. But for amateur photographers, the price of that charm is growing eye-wateringly high. The DPP's Lai Qingde kicked off his presidential campaign on Thursday by going back to his medical roots. Lai stopped by Taoyuan General Hospital's Xingwu branch, where Taiwan's first COVID case was treated in 2020. Lai chatted with patients in the rehab ward, and he applauded Taiwan's healthcare heroes for their efforts throughout the pandemic. At the Xinhu branch of Taoyuan General Hospital, presidential candidate Lai Tingde engaged patients in easy conversation. As a former rehab physician, Lai was keen to visit the rehabilitation center and meet patients. Lai was well received, with supporters wishing him well on his presidential run.
In January 2020, Taiwan's first confirmed COVID case was treated at this hospital. Designated a COVID emergency center, the hospital was evacuated twice during the peak of the pandemic. In the first year, on January 24th, the first confirmed COVID case was brought here. I visited a few times. I still remember now, the nurses, everyone was very alarmed. Actually, I was scared too, but I tried to appear calm. When you are up against an unknown disease, you have to be careful. I believe everyone felt some fear during the pandemic, and despite that fear, they didn't leave their posts and stayed on the front line. That is admirable. This was Lai's first public appearance since his nomination as the DPP's presidential candidate. The atmosphere was charged with election energy. A million thanks to Vice President Lai Qingde for coming here to Xingwu branch on his first public appearance. That's what a true doctor does. I hope the Vice President will continue to lead Taiwan and its people toward a better life, toward recognition from the world. With support from the public and the backing of his party, Lai's campaign is off to a promising start. Turning now to the KMT camp, where new Taipei Mayor Hou Youyi is eager to step up as the presidential candidate. KMT Secretary General Justin Huang confirms that his party will most likely pick Hou as its candidate. <laughs> As for the presidential candidate that everyone is asking about, I think that the chairman made it quite clear yesterday. We actually have a process in place. The first step in that process is for the KMT to consolidate and unite. The party's current position is very clear. That is, we're behind Mayor Hoyoi. He himself has already made his intentions clear, and he is also the strongest candidate. When handling any matter, everyone in the party must be united. Therefore, the party has its own rhythm and timeline. I respect the party's planning. United, we will tackle anything that comes our way. But there are still divisions within the KMT. Legislator Chen Yujin stands firmly behind Terry Goh, who is currently visiting Japan. Meanwhile, a staunch supporter of Han Guoyu will hold a street demonstration on April 22nd to call for Han's inclusion in the party primary. Exvocation has concluded at an archaeological site right in the heart of Hualien City, where artifacts dating back to the New Stone Age have been found. The remains were discovered last year at a construction site near the mouth of the Meilun River. Experts say the artifacts show that the people who inhabited the area some 3,000 years ago had very sophisticated crafting techniques. The archaeologist gently brushes away the soil on the artifact, careful to not use too much force. The relics are sorted and washed. Then they go in a tray to dry. We excavated about 70 to 80 trays. We found embossing on a jade ring and very thorough polishing. It shows the skill of the maker, who was able to make exquisite carvings. The archaeological excavation started last year at a construction site on Mingde 4th Street in Hualien City. After an assessment found that there could be relics underground, the Hualien Cultural Affairs Bureau mobilized a team of archaeologists to dig out the site completely. 
Locals had told us that they had found cultural relics next door. Our supervisor thought it was very important to assess the site, so our company was very cooperative. People from the Cultural Affairs Bureau came to do an excavation. The site is the second of its kind in the Meilun River estuary and contains artifacts from the Huagangshan culture dating back to the Neolithic. They are about 2,000 to 3,000 years old and include an astonishing amount of ceramics and jade artifacts. Every time relics are found, it's because there is a construction project going on. So we urge residents in the area to notify the Cultural Affairs Bureau if they find something that looks like a prehistoric artifact at their construction sites. The excavation has provided evidence for changes that took place in the Neolithic. With the artifacts, experts hope to fill in a blank in Hualien's past and increase understanding of prehistoric cultures in the city. Today we put the spotlight on movie director Chen Junhong. After decades in the movie industry, he has dozens of awards under his belt. Now he also teaches filmmaking part-time, and he's passionate about making the movie industry more accessible for students with less privilege. One method he uses is teaching students how to make micro-movies about their daily lives using one simple tool, their cell phone. A young Vietnamese woman travels far from home to create a new life, marrying a man from Taiwan. She can only talk to her beloved family on video calls. Lots of Southeast Asian women who moved to Taiwan for marriage can relate to this micro-movie directed by Chen Junhong. They belong to a rather disempowered demographic. We visited lots of immigrants. We went to their homes and conducted real interviews and looked at their homes and their daily lives. In the movie, I play the immigrant's husband. I think the director is very good at the job. Chen has a background in computing, but he's also been in love with films since junior high and has 20 years experience in filmmaking. He teaches camera movement, audio recording, lighting and more in his university film technique class. He documents stories from his community. More recently, his commercials and music videos won him a host of awards, enabling him to dedicate himself to charitable projects. These students who come from far away often don't have a lot of resources, but they all have a cell phone. They just need to record their own lives and tell their own stories. The growth of the internet has made it cheaper than ever to make a movie. Students with less financial clout can express their creativity with nothing more than a cell phone and take their first steps toward a life making art. Ali Shan is known for its beautiful sunrises and sunsets, as well as its teas and trails. The Ali Shan National Scenic Area Administration holds the Ali Shan Four Seasons Tea Festival every year to allow visitors to tour the mountain and taste its teas and delicacies. FTV reporter Stephen Yang takes us in for a sneak peek. Alizan is famous for sunrises, sunset, railway station, and trees. It is also known for its wide variety of teas. During the Alizan Four Seasons Tea Festival, you'll be able to try a series of Alizan teas and delicacies. The Alizan National Scenic Area Administration holds the Alizan Four Seasons Tea Festival every year from April to November to allow visitors to tour the mountain, taste its unique teas, and participate in DIY events. 
One business is offering a DIY tea and ice cream workshop for children and adults. I grew up in Alishan, and I returned to my hometown after getting married. I went back to the mountains with my husband to carry on my parents' tea legacy. There are many children who don't know what to do when they visit the mountains. We thought that we could grind tea leaves into powder and then let them add it to their ice cream. You can experience the unique cultural significance of Alishan tea. Another business will be offering DIY tea sessions. Visitors can participate in a traditional hand-rubbed tea session and wrap the tea with paper to take home as a souvenir. In the past, tea was all hand-rubbed or hand-rolled. Now, most teas are made by machines. This family business hopes to preserve that culture by offering this DIY session. We allow visitors to experience our traditional tea-making process. Our handmade kneading method dates back to the early days when we would make teas by hand. We used this method, made it smaller scale, and commercialized it. This is made by my father. I hope to pass down the tea culture because it is being replaced by machinery now. There are very few people who need tea by hand. Will the ongoing drought affect the quality and quantity of the tea? The impact will be limited, according to Tea Research and Extension Station Director Zhu Zhongzhen. I think the drought in central and southern Taiwan this year is more serious than the drought of the century two years ago. However, in the high mountain and high altitude tea areas, if there is a water source, the impact on these tea gardens will be relatively limited. It will only reduce production by about 10 to 20 percent. The festival will kick off on April 22nd at Ali San's Niu Pu Zi, Love Perry followed by a series of other events at Alishan till November 25th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Huang Guokai in Taipei.